Good morning. My name is Dave Selvig, and this morning our scripture reading is from the book of Ecclesiastes. Now you can follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading Ecclesiastes chapter 1 from the New International Version. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, meaningless, Meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was already. It was here already. Long ago, it was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this, too, is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Julie Steele, and I am one of the pastors here at Evergreen. And I am really excited to be able to... I think we're going to be good here. Yes. To share with you the first week of our kickoff of our summer series in Ecclesiastes. Now, I just want to let you know that um, our Under the Sun, What is the Point? is the series title. Our title for today, for Ecclesiastes, just chapter one, is A Dose of Reality. Well, A few months ago, Peter had chosen the book of Proverbs for us to go through in the summer, and it was all plugged in the schedule, and I don't know, I just could not 
get into it. I kept thinking Ecclesiastes. I hadn't studied it much before, just a little bit, and I thought it would really be a fun book to go through. So it was interesting that when I was doing some of my research, uh, one of the professors said that Proverbs is a book written for the young, and Ecclesiastes is a book written for the old looking back. Well, I'm not offended by being referred to as old because we are doing Ecclesiastes. I won out. (laughs) So a dose of reality is what we're going to get today from chapter 1. First, I want to go into the title of Ecclesiastes. In the original Hebrew text, Koheleth or Kohelet is what the Hebrew word is, and Ecclesiastes is the Greek interpretation of that word. So if you're doing any studying on this book, which I would encourage you to do, don't be confused by those being used back and forth. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes is a diagnosis of humanity's tendency to connect the value of human life with the permanent accomplishment of our hard work. As a wisdom text, it warns us that from an under-the-sun perspective, we gain nothing permanent in what we do. Is this book written by a mystical pessimist or a godly sage? That's what we're going to find out this summer. Now, as far as who wrote the book, it's been typically attributed to King Solomon. However, as there is always differing opinions on these things, it's also thought to be written by a scribe close to King Solomon. Well, here we are. We start off with meaningless, meaningless, as Dave said. Sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? I kind of picture myself as a 12-year-old going, meaningless, meaningless, you've ruined my life, mother. That's just kind of how we are. I don't know, maybe you weren't that way. But this author here is stating his thesis, and he's going to spend the next 12 chapters defending it. His thesis is, everything is meaningless, or vanity, or in some translations it will say, futile. So what do those words actually mean? Well, the word vanity here does not mean someone being vain and focused on themselves the way we typically think of it. It's really more in the usage of the song that we sing, The Wondrous Cross. You know how there is a line in there that says, all the vain things that charm me most, those are things that are empty, not satisfying, don't hit the mark. Other words that have been used for this translation of meaningless are breath or vapor, means it just, it comes and goes, insubstantial, failing to achieve a purpose, or disappointing one's expectations. So I want you to remember these different phrases as we go through the text so that you can get better context for what our author is telling us about. He's not pessimistic here. He's really being realistic. Don't pretend. Don't hide your head in the sand. This is the way life is. Now, the two points that we're going to be focusing on this morning are the meaninglessness of human, the human experience and the meaninglessness of the pursuit and gain of wisdom. 
Now, there are a lot of things we could get out of this text, and it was difficult for me to hone down two points. So please don't be frustrated by things that I could have said or should have said. We're going to stick to these two for today. All right, so here we are, meaninglessness of the human experience. Verse 9 in particular says that what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Does that resonate with you? Heard the, ter- the term, what goes around comes around? I love this one that my friend Nancy Dings has said. Same song, different verse. Been here before, right? Same thing. I think about, of course, I think about fashion and things that come and go, things that were popular at one time or trends, you know, that for men it would be maybe the way the lapels are on your jacket or the width of your tie or all of those kinds of things. Well, I got the new Nordstrom catalog this week, and evidently block heels are super in, and yes, I have a pair on, and I remember in the 70s being in junior high having shoes with block heels, so you know, they came back again. And what about movie remakes? How many movie remakes have we seen? It's never the same story, it's just something that's been made again. Now, sometimes the remake is better, Usually, I don't think it is, but here were just a few that came to the top of my mind. King Kong, uh, True Grit. True Grit, I do like the newer one better. Parent Trap, I like them both. Uh, Ocean's Eleven, I like them both. Those were, that was pretty fun. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka. Hands down Willy Wonka because Johnny Depp is just creepy. So, <laughs> different ones. Now, we also have different uh, patterns or what are called arcs in all kinds of stories. And this is actually a graph of what this one article we saw are the six basic arcs or forms that are used in every TV show, book, story, movie ever written. And some would even say there are less than six. A few weeks ago, Barry and I were watching a movie on Turner Classic Movies that was made in 1932, and as the movie went on, we were astounded by the plot that was like, wait a minute, we've seen that plot before, we know where this is going. And so he actually found this article that talked about, there's nothing new, it's just things remade over and over again. So... Our author here starts off with, all things are wearisome. Can you relate? Maybe you have something in your life that just seems to never change. It's really making you weary. And why is it that the things we want to change don't, and the things we don't want to change do? That's another question. Are you growing weary of something? Maybe it's a relationship that just can't get fixed. Maybe it's lack of employment. You have been looking for a long time for a job or a better job. Or you're in constant financial instability. This pattern just keeps going round and round. 
you're barely making it every month, you, there's no sense of financial security, you just don't see an end. Maybe it's a stressful job. You think, this job is going to get better. It's going to get less stressful. I'm sure once we get over this project or this thing, but it doesn't end. Or maybe it's a health issue that you've been dealing with for years that just won't stop. What is it that you are weary from today? Most of us will come or have come to a point in our life when we realize that life is disappointing, that our dreams, our plans, they're not going to come true, and that our impact on this world is marginal. A dose of reality is going to catch up with all of us at some point. Unfortunately, we are perpetuating the lie that life is not disappointing, that things will come true, that we can do and be anything we want to be. How many graduation speeches have you heard where someone tells these students, go out there in the world and be whatever you want to be. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. It's the same lie that someone tells you that marriage is going to make you happy. No wonder we become disillusioned and depressed, right? We wonder why these young people are just wondering what's going on and what these people told me back here, it's not my reality. Well, we all have limitations. We have physical limitations. We have intellectual limitations. We have financial limitations, socioeconomic limitations, I really wanted to be a nurse when I was in high school. And so I started taking all the classes to get myself ready for college to be a nurse. I could not master chemistry for the life of me. It didn't matter how many tutors I had. I could not be what I wanted to be. So my next plan was to marry a rich businessman so that I could throw amazing office Christmas parties... That didn't work out so well either. So here I am. Can anyone say that your life has gone according to plan? That everything you've done and it's it's achieved its purpose, it's been all you thought it would be? Well, if you're out there, you're not my friend. I'm not intending to be pessimistic here, but a view on life that's realistic is what I'm talking about from this book of Ecclesiastes. You see, our author addresses the way life is, but he doesn't address what life is. Now, I want to add a disclaimer here, because in light of all the tragic, unjust events in the last few weeks in our country and our world, The shootings in Baton Rouge and St. Paul and Dallas and the massacre in France, that does not mean that we say that's the way life is and we turn our heads. No, because you see, Ecclesiastes needs to be read and interpreted in context with the entire Bible, just as every book in the Bible needs to be. 
We are told by God that we are his light and that we need to stand against injustice. But we just shouldn't be surprised by it. So when something happens to you, do you ask the question, why me? Why now? Why not me is really the question. That question makes a lot more sense in light of what we're reading in Ecclesiastes. Where did God say that life would be fair or easy or without suffering? How many of you know what a spiritual director is? Ooh, a few hands go up. Great, I will tell you. The difference between a spiritual director and a counselor, some people get them mixed up, is that they help you discern where God is in your circumstances. And I have really benefited from meeting with my spiritual director the last three years as I have needed help seeing where God has been in some of my circumstances. Many of you know that I have dealt with a chronic health issue for the last 12 years. Talk about weary of something not changing. Every day I wake up and my first thought is, still there. Get out of bed, get moving, get on with your day. Well, last month when I was meeting with my spiritual director, she asked me a question. She said, Julie, what is the most discouraging thing or frustrating thing about what you're dealing with? My answer came really quickly. My limitations. There are so many things that I cannot do. And what I long for and what my reality is are very different. Ecclesiastes is simply confirming that life under the sun or here on earth will never be the ideal of what God originally intended. The reason we cannot be content or feel that our life sometimes is futile or meaningless is because we long for the way it should be. The way it would be If life were fair, easy, and without suffering. All we have to do is look back in the book of Genesis to see what life was supposed to be like. In the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. It was fair, it was easy, and there was no suffering. There were no limitations Well, one, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God said. That's all. Human nature couldn't handle even one limitation. And not accepting that one limitation has caused all the other limitations that we experience under the sun. Once they ate from that tree... Adam and Eve's reality and ours changed forever. Now, I have a problem accepting reality. I tend to fight limitations. And then I wonder, what's the point? And I think, if this is really the way my life's going to be, 
I don't want it. I love this quote. What screws us up most in life is the picture in our head of how it's supposed to be. We're disappointed because we expect life to be what it was meant to be, the Garden of Eden, or maybe even just how it once was before we had this thing that we're dealing with now. When I start looking back on my life and longing for things the way they were before, I got this weird dizzy thing, or before my husband got diagnosed with cancer, or before he got Parkinson's, I can get pretty depressed and spiral down quickly. That's when I have to remind myself, why not me? Why not us? This is life under the sun. These are our realities. So what are your limitations? Are you frustrated like me because reality is leaving you with a sense of what's the point or all is meaningless? Well, our author philosopher is now going to move on to wisdom. How many of you know what this is an image of? The thinker. How many of you remember the, the TV show Dobie Gillis? Ooh, a few of you do. He was always sitting in front of the thinker. This is wisdom. That's why I have that there, just so you know. We are disappointed because we expect life to be, like I said, what it was meant to be. And so now our author is going to move on to studying and applying wisdom. You see, that's going to be the key now to a meaningful and satisfying life. Don't we do that too? We spend a lot of time on our computers, especially, seeking more information, more knowledge. We are addicted to information. Now, wisdom is more than knowledge because wisdom is actually applying knowledge appropriately. It's kind of the difference between knowledge being book smarts and wisdom being street smarts. Well, our author says here, especially in verse 14, I have seen all the things that have been done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless. Why does he say that? Well, it's because of the reality of the next verse, 15. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. The first clause or part of this verse says that there is a disjointedness to life under the sun, which we cannot rectify. And the second part of this verse implies not just that we don't have all the pieces we need to put the whole picture together, but we don't even know how many pieces are missing. It's like having a bunch of puzzle pieces in front of you, and you don't even know what you don't have because you don't know how many there are supposed to be. What is lacking cannot be counted. These last verses here uh, in the last few weeks definitely apply. Things are disjointed and crooked and out of whack, and we can't fix them. They've really borne witness to this. Now, the last verse that we have here in 18, 
all the wisdom in the world cannot change the reality of life under the sun, is basically what this is saying. You know, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. That's not very encouraging, is it? The older I get, and I am getting old, the more apt I am to be sad rather than mad. You see, the less life experience that I've had, it was much easier to see the world in black and white. You see, I could be mad at a situation or a friend or even myself because I was looking at just cause and effect. But now I see beyond the right and the wrong of things and understand the pain that will come of choices and life experiences. And as I experience the reality of life and have become more wise, it has caused me more grief. Isn't it hard to watch somebody make the same mistake you did? You see, I'm not wise because I've made right choices. I'm wise because I have not, or because I have lived through other people's wrong choices. There is much grief when you have wisdom and know how something will likely turn out. You see that cliff ahead of somebody because you've been down that cliff before, and they can't see it. There's nothing new under the sun. So even though we've been born in a different time and place, the human condition does not change. And that's what Ecclesiastes is telling us. I have made many mistakes that I wish others could learn from. One of them I was able to actually share with a young woman at our retreat last spring. She's a Christian girl who had moved here from up north, and she was telling me about her job, and she was telling me about her boyfriend. Not that I know anything about boyfriends. And she said that he was not a Christian, but she was going to try to get him to church. Well, I happened to have a little experience in this area, and so I was eager to share my wisdom with her. You see, when I married my husband, he was not a Christian. And just so you know, he's fine with being one of my mistakes, and the feeling has been mutual over the years. So, (laughs) The wisdom of others did not deter my decision to marry. Remember how I don't like limitations? But I'm very careful to not give advice because giving advice is not wise. However, explaining the reality of that choice and your own experience is wise. I'm less prone to judge and get mad than I am feeling sad for somebody knowing that the difficulties that will lie ahead of their choice. And I did try to explain to this young woman Just so you know, here's how things were for me, and these are some of the things that you might be facing. I hope it helped. That's the grief and sorrow that our author is talking about here. I feel like, for me, all the wise people I know, and many of you, you're here in this room, wise people have a certain soberness about them, not in a negative way, but a demeanor that reflects you've seen some stuff. And so we see that all is meaningless in Ecclesiastes 1. 
nature, life, the pursuit of wisdom. So are you sorry you came to church today? What a downer. I know. You're just going to need to come back every week so that we can go through and get out the other side. You know, it's okay to live in this tension. We feel more comfortable with that rise-fall-rise pattern that we see in movies. That would be like Cinderella, you know, like things are going great, things go down, up, they end really well. However, the plot in Ecclesiastes seems to follow more the steady-fall one, like Romeo and Juliet. Asking questions and not having answers is our reality. And I would encourage you to get comfortable with that and to let others get comfortable with that. Life is confusing. It doesn't make sense. That's okay. Here's a few conclusions from our text today. We all enjoy things we don't deserve, and each of us lacks things we might legitimately expect to have. That's our reality. That's life. Recognizing that our desire for life to be what it was intended to be, that's natural. We're human. We are going to long for the way God wanted it to be to begin with. God gets that. You know, he feels the same. Allow him to walk with you through your frustrations and limitations. Growth in wisdom necessitates deeper levels of pain because the twistedness, the disjointedness, and the frustration of life becomes all the more evident. We can't unsee it. And last, without a dose of reality, we will always be looking for what should be, and that will only lead us to disappointment and a belief that all is meaningless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for you today. We are so grateful for the words that you have given to us in this book of Ecclesiastes and how you want to speak to each of us through it. God, help us to accept the reality of our own life, knowing that you are present in all of it. And give us clarity about who you are. Give us peace. Give us what we need, because you have promised that you will never leave us or forsake us, no matter what our reality is. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.